when shit hits the fan, have you prepared yourself for that? Have you put in work? Have you stressed yourself out on purpose? Have you created practice so that when things are tough, you can just take a breath and realize I'm alive. I can walk. And that's a pretty good thing. So take time to recognize and live in that and do things so that you can prepare yourself for things that are hard. Don't live in fear, live in opportunity and just create the best day ever every day. My guest today is Brett Gornick. Brett is the co-founder of Live Better. Live Better's mission is to design wellness experiences to connect people to, to pursue purpose. He empowers people to take care of their mental health and physical health so that they can give back to the youth of our planet. In his previous life, Brett was a data analyst at Walgreens. And since then, he's advised CEOs, Fortune 500 companies, professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and creatives alike on two things. How to make self-care a top priority and how to apply that energy towards finding purpose in their work. And in this conversation, we really dive into really Brett's origin story and what he had to learn for himself to find a fulfilling goal to pursue. And beyond that, we talk about just cultivating an awareness about your own habits, routines, and and protecting your internal life so that you can show up for where it really matters, meaning friends, family, the work that you do that is bigger than you. And without rambling any further, I think that's where I'll leave this intro. I really enjoyed talking to Brett. He is completely switched on. Understand a certain aspect about these ideas and explorers trying to find what works best as a human on this planet. And it's always a work in progress. And so with that, everyone, please enjoy this conversation with Brett Gornick. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. On today's podcast, we're joined by Brett Gornick. Hi, Brett. What's up, man? How you doing? Pretty good. This is awesome. I really appreciate you making the time to do this. And so just to start, can we give a quick, who are you and what do you do for the listeners? Yeah, I'm super grateful to be on here. I think what you're putting together and where things are going to are gonna go is going to be awesome. So thanks for you giving me the, the space to, to talk and communicate and, and just have fun. Over the last five and a half years, my business partner and I have built a business, Live Better, our entire goal is to help people have the best day ever, every single day. And what does that mean? It means pursuing your purpose and actually going out and doing it. So doing the work, not being scared to deviate off the path that was given to you. And we use a lot of wellness tactics to help people do that, whether that's training people in the gym, coaching them on their businesses or their lifestyle or their habits and routines all the way to running full-scale retreats in places like El Salvador, Nicaragua, Tulum, Mexico, and Canada, and then everything in between. We've got online courses that we do that help people with mindset and goal setting and create a community around this so that you can bounce ideas that might seem internally crazy or crazy in your job that you might currently have or relationship that you're in that you're just not seeing the, the opportunity and just surround surround other people with other people that want to do cool shit. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've been doing. And so this business has evolved and we both started with corporate jobs and we can talk all about the, the, 
the layering and the years and the grinds and the 24 hour work days, but to, to truly sum it all up, it's, we've created a system of tools that help people to actually do what it is that they want to do on a day-to-day basis. And that sounds simple, but we know a lot of people that aren't pursuing because they have some roadblock, whether it's mental or financial Mm -hmm. or community driven. And we're trying to fill all those gaps so that people can be the true expression of themselves and really just find the joy in that. Yeah. And there's so much to unpack from all of that, because I think, especially even given the pandemic, I feel like understanding many of these things, just what it means to live whatever the best version of your life is at a personal level seems to be pretty forefront to people. And for me, that's a really big reason why I even do what this podcast is about, because I got hooked on podcasts as I was finishing college and I was doing the midnight grind and and working full time and doing all of that kind of stuff. And I stopped and, and remember thinking to myself, there has to be a different way because there was this kind of thing in the back of my head that was like, you work and do all these things that you're supposed to do, get the good job or go to get a master's degree or do whatever it is. And then by the time you hit 35, you stop and look around and be like, well, I did all these things and it felt like I was supposed to do those things, but I'm not even happy with the hedonic treadmill. If you use the scientific terminology there. And yeah, I, I guess for me it was where would, where did all of this start? Because I think it's one thing to make a company to do this, but it's also another thing to actually be like, no, we need more people to unlock this in themselves. Yeah. It's a, it's a great question. And it's, I truly believe that we have a childhood curiosity and everybody when you ask a kid what do they want to be when they grow up they say the craziest things right i want to be an astronaut i want to be a start at this i'm going to make a lemonade stand when i'm six and then where does that all go like why does that end and you know what it's there's a couple reasons that i've seen it's the system that is in place is very much good grades lead to good college lead to good job lead to good 401k and then you're just locked in i can't leave this because then i have to get my own insurance and then i I, how do i even open a Roth ira when i need this 401k but i get a match for my company it's and there's nothing wrong with those things there's nothing wrong with a consistent lifestyle and security The one thing that I will challenge though is if you are not doing that through your purpose, then you will have this itch that you want to scratch. Everybody does it because they have that childhood curiosity, that thing that they felt when they were a kid that they wanted to do that they aren't doing. For me, this all started, I was a, I was a decent student. I worked really hard in high school to get good grades And that got me into a solid college. And then from there, it was honestly just like a, I I honestly don't even, I can't say I was conscious in college. It was just, I went to class and I partied and that was it. Uh, And I got really good at doing both. I get a job my first semester senior year. And all I cared about was that I got a job and now I have the rest of the year to party. Like I didn't have to care about anything. I was like, all I have to do is maintain my grades and And I was like, that's what everybody else is doing. This is the fun thing. So I was an economics major. My first job was at Kohl's department stores doing data analytics for a couple of their different departments. Unbelievable first job. So I graduate and I was always into health too. Like 
working out, maybe not health because my habits weren't that healthy at that point, but I always went really hard at things. So now I go equally as hard as wellness as I did is partying. And I have no problem talking about that and and talking about how that takes you into a, a not good space and how to get out of that. But I was about six months into my job and I'm 22 and I go, this isn't it. I'm on the fast track, mind you. I am the fastest promoted. I am getting accolades. I am crushing work. I like it. My boss is the man. And I'm getting out of all these like meetings that all the early analysts are going into. And I'm sitting with my boss, like working away on crazy Excel documents on how to forecast and like all this cool stuff. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I was learning a lot and I was doing really cool things. Like I came up with this awesome idea from an inventory management perspective. And I was talking to the SVP my first year in the, the job presenting this idea. And he was like, we need to implement this. And like that idea that I had will save that business, like upwards of hundreds of millions of dollars for the lifetime of the thing that I helped create. So like I was doing good work, but it was just not what I wanted to do. And so I was like, okay. And this is just like how I've always been. I was like, this isn't what I want to be doing. So I'm going to figure something else out. And I was like, I really like working out. I'm working out every day after work. I was living in Milwaukee, but I was from Chicago and I knew I wasn't going to be in Milwaukee my whole life. So I literally would get home from work and work out for two hours. I would eat dinner and I would go to bed. And I did that every day. And I got really strong. I got really fast. and I just was a beast. And so I went up to the trainer, head trainer at the gym. I was like, hey, what is personal training? How does this work? He's like, dude, I've seen you in here. If you get a certification, here's a couple you can get. You can do them online. I'll let you start picking up clients. And so I remember, I'll never forget this. The certification was like 400 bucks. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is so expensive. I can't do this. And I was like, you know what? I have to do it. And I was like, man, this is, you're so young. And it's, you don't realize that that's an investment at that point. You just think of it as an expense. So I do it. I get the certification and I'll never forget this either. The shirts, I worked at the Gold's Gym. You had to buy the $25 shirt and get it printed for 30 with your name on it. And I still remember being like, should I do this? I I was like, I was like making, you know, okay money, but I'm still like, (laughs) you're just like, I was like, is this a good thing? And I was like, all right, I got to do it. And I still have that shirt. And I started training and in all honesty, like that was a huge thing. It was just like, it seems so little now and how much more money I've invested into myself and certifications and, and an office and an employee and, you know, LLC fees and all that. But it's just, man, that first step to just do that. And then I started training one client twice a week. And then I got a second client. And then I was like, oh, this is cool. But it was still nowhere close to the money I was making. Because when you're at the bottom of the chain there, you're making $20 an hour. And it's just, it's not enough to sustain. But it was a start. And that led to more and more things. And the journey continued. And it was that kickoff point of just saying, I'm going to invest in myself. And in all honesty, even at that age, I still didn't know what I was doing. I just was like, I had a feeling and I had an urge to learn. And I just had, this is something I need to do. And looking back on it, it was very much, oh, of course, pursue your passion, do your, do a side hustle, like all that. I wasn't thinking that way. Like side hustling wasn't a term then. Yeah. What year was this about roughly? This was 2012. Okay. Yeah. Right now it's 2020, end of 2020. It was eight years ago. It was like podcasts weren't even a thing yet. It was like, like four hour work week hadn't come out yet. It was like, I was just like doing things that were interesting and 
I had free time because I was not pursuing Milwaukee as like a steadfast place to live the rest of my life. So I was like, I should fill this time with something else. And I like training and I like working out. So I just did it. Like I honestly just did it. It's a really interesting story because I think it's one thing to be like interested in working out and being healthy. And, but it's a whole nother thing to be like, maybe I could do this as a job because I, I, because I don't think most people, there are things they would like to do and be paid for to do it. But it, I think it requires a different level or different mindset to want to turn it into something that sustains you. And I'm curious, like getting that first client or even that second client, what, what was that like for you? Because you start having to parse down the things you that are automatic to you, turning things into lessons and routines and make it understandable to other people than yourself. And I think that's a whole different skill set that most of us don't naturally do, especially when it's something like working out that is so highly personalized. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to answer that in, in two phases. So phase Mm -hmm. one was getting those first couple of clients at the gym. And then I want to also talk about how I got my first couple of clients once I started live better, because that was like a secondary thing. Mm-hmm. First client I got was handed to me. It was uh, like a 50 year old gentleman that couldn't even bend down and touch his knees wow. and had never really worked out, had a bunch of anxiety. And it, you start to immediately, I was like, wow, this profession is some percentage training knowledge and a higher percentage personal relationship development. Because I could tell you, hey, Eric, go lift four days a week and do these splits. But if you show up and you're not feeling it that day, my job is more to let's get this moving. So that was a really cool first client. And my second client was interesting at that was a woman that worked one office over for me at Kohl's, saw I was training in the gym. We had been friends. And she was like, I actually have a trainer there that I don't like, and I would love to work out with you. So we would literally like carpool from the, from job to the, tra- to the gym workout. And it was like kind of cool. Yeah. And so I trained her a few days a week and she became a good friend of mine. And, uh, Anna, if you're listening to this, thanks. So that was cool. Then for about two and a half years, I worked at Kohl's. My girlfriend at the time, wife now was finishing school. She's a couple years younger than me. A bunch of my friends were moving back to Chicago. So I was like, this is the time to get back to Chicago. I know I was is where I want to be. So I switched and started working for Walgreens corporate and immediately had a 180. Walgreens was brutal. The environment was terrible. The learning was not there. I was having ideas being shut down, literally being like, I had a job and that was all you do. This is what you do. You fill out these PowerPoint presentations to then send them to management. And that's all I ever did. And I was like, this is not where I want to be. So very quickly, I was like, I need to get back into this training thing. And so Right around the same time, I met up with my future business partner, friend at the time who I hadn't seen in a couple of years. And I'll I'll tell that origin story in a little bit, but we (laughs) just sat down after a party that we were at one night. And I was like, dude, I have this idea. Let's sit down. And I was formulating a protein bar at the time. Again, just because I was really diving into superfoods and nutrition and, and had a lot of time commuting and was listening to podcasts on wellness and started to read books for the first time in my life, literally read my first book for pleasure when I was 25. So, and then it just was like, man, I'm on a 40 minute train ride twice a day. I am just going to consume all of this. Crush that. Started building that, started talking to my business partner. We sat down and I said, Hey, I have an idea. He was like, I also have been thinking about doing something. I was like, let's figure this out. So then my wife's best friend became my first real client that was my own that I started training in my apartment gym twice a week, charging her $40 an hour. And now I charge quadruple that. 
and we just started training and it was an interesting relationship because now I have, it's a friend of my wife. So I have to treat her well, but I also have to motivate her when she doesn't want to do something. And then that led to more and more. And it just led to, this is something I want to do on my own. So I started to latch on to other trainers that were doing it on their own and learning and it just spiraled into so many cool things. And then our business, right when we sat down, we wanted something more than just being a trainer. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to develop something deeper. We wanted to be less having 30 clients a day, more having a few and being more involved and then connecting those people. That's what ideas like we set, we set, talked about having a retreat in our second business meeting. We we're like, let's bring people to like a spot and do something cool. <laughs> And it just continued to evolve. And like now we do pretty much any idea we have that we like, we just do. It's like the ultimate playground to figure out how to create connection, really. And I think that's part of what makes training specifically so unique in this time, yeah. even or even more unique in given the context that we're in too. Because... Yeah the trainer or the coach or the mentor, even that, right? Cause a coach is a mentor in many yeah. ways. They're the ones who are care about your success, but they also are not directly connected to your life. So they can give you direct feedback without feeling like brushing it off. Like your best friends or people you really know, you know so much about the context of the things that you do that they can just be like, oh, it's whatever. Like they, or they're always just going to support you or the things they say behind your back because they're like, he's got another crazy idea, (laughs) whatever that is. But at least I've always known or thought about this more recently is like how to be in someone's corner, but also be honest in a way that gets people to level up. That's what it sounds like to me. And I think that the other part of this that really strikes me is this, the organic nature of it. You didn't even look to social media or anything like that at the very beginning, which is social media would have been around then probably 2015, but it isn't anything like it is today at all. I remember when I was first starting my thing, I made a, I was like, I literally was sitting, this is so, this is interesting. I was so talking about being a partier. When I graduated school, I was still in that. I was going hard Thursday, Friday, Saturday, day drinking. Like it was the whole thing. And I'll never forget a Friday. I got home from work and I said, you know what? I'm going to stay in tonight. I'm going to get up tomorrow morning. I'm going to do a yoga class. There's a great yoga studio across the street from me in Milwaukee. And I was like, just had this urge. Again, this was just like one of those like feelings. It was like, I just need to do it. So I I went to bed and I'll never forget my roommates coming home at 2 a.m. banging stuff around. And I was like, I'm going to stay in bed, get up, take a, maybe it was like a 9 a.m. class for me is like ultimate sleeping in right now because I'm up at like 5 a.m. every day (laughs) but I took that class I came back home and I went in my room and I just started it was the first flow state I've ever been in my life and I made a Twitter account I'll never forget it was called bodies by Brett and I was like I don't know what Twitter is I made a Twitter account I just started like tweeting things like drink more water like I remember like workout today like things and like it started getting shared and then I was like Maybe a year or so later, I made an Instagram account and I just started like posting stuff, but with no, it wasn't like thoughtful. It was just like, I'm doing this because this is what I want to do. Now, my first Instagram post literally was a smoothie that I made and you can look back and see it. I wasn't like, I just like did it. And then, and then it just started growing and people started latching on and it was back when growing, making those accounts was much easier to grow organically because people were just like searching and finding. 
but it was like it was cool like to look back like obviously if i was to like look back at it now i would have been like oh man i could have a million followers because i would have just had a strategy and gone and done it but you can you can't live that way and you just continue to to go at it so it's there is something about just doing right mm-hmm. just just doing whatever it may be can lead you to a really good spot. Of course, you can look back on it and say, I could have done it better or more strategically or more thoughtfully, or maybe not gone (laughs) down so many dead end routes. But that's, I think what makes me, and that's why I've developed our our performance coaching is because I have gone down all those dead end routes. And I learned about that. And I can now say, these are routes that aren't worth pursuing. These are some that you should try. And we work together and things go. And it's, it's been so cool to watch other people's success leaning off of things that I've learned and like actually being like, this is something of value. This is so cool. This is what I wish I had found. Mm -hmm. And to sit there and do that and mentor and coach and whether it's in the gym or in business or in life is, is truly just like a dream come true. And something that since I love it so much, and I think because I was in the corporate world for five and a half years, knowing the Delta in my happiness one versus the other it's this is just i don't work anymore i just play and just (laughs) have fun it's great it highlights two things first it's like this idea that we love to make a yellow brick road of everybody's past love that term (laughs) because we always think whenever we do revisionist history and we look back on our life and we always say i wish i would have known that five years ago And the thing is like, that doesn't work that way. Even with the big companies that are so super mega successful today, each one of those people that made those decisions that then skyrocketed to them, Netflix being the first one that popped into my head, they made so many gambles that just happened to pay off that now made them the number one streaming platform that everyone tries to copy. And I, I think our lives are in the same aspect of that, where it's always this iterative process that we're always aiming to grow. But a lot of times, whenever you choose to do something new, it means a backstep. And, and many, like yeah. you're always going to have like some growing pains and adjustments that happen because of change, whatever that may be. And it's also funny when you keep mentioning this party aspect that you had. And obviously, that's probably nowhere near as relevant as it is nowadays. But was it like a cognitive dissonance thing? Because it reminds me of if you were spending all this time working out, yeah. but then drinking, I'm assuming you would notice your performance difference, but also paying money to buy the the first certification that you did or buy that shirt. Did it even cross your mind of how much you were actually spending on alcohol and going out to party versus putting that money somewhere else? <laughs> uh, it wasn't necessarily a money swap. It was a time swap. Okay. So that yeah. story that I just said that day, just, it sounds great. Like I, I don't drink anymore at all. And mm-hmm. so it's people, people meet me now and they see this like wellness focused, goal driven entrepreneur, fitness enthusiast coach. And they assume I have a bachelor's in sports psychology and, and I went to school for exercise fizz and I was probably a straight A type two, like division one athlete. So none of that was the way it's, it was. It was like, I, I switched and that is a thing like I tell people like, you, and when I see, when I tell people you can do whatever you want, it's because I was like, if you would have met me like 10 years ago, you would have been like, this guy is going to fail. He is going to be the 50 year old dad at the little league game with a flask drinking. That's the route I was on. 
And, and I look back and I had a great time. So I can't look back and say, I regret anything. Exactly. We talked about that yellow brick road, but what I can say is that you can do anything because you have the choice of your decisions. And so when you talked about the money side of it, that day I woke up with all of that time, right? Normally I'd wake up at 11, have a shitty breakfast, have to take a nap and then start drinking again. And you just realize, oh my, I have so much time. And with that time, I can create value. And with that value, I can create a business. And with that business, I can create money. And with money, I can have capital. And when I have capital, I can grow. And now I can grow and do all this. And now it's one step in front of the other. Don't waste time. You talked about Netflix, like the amount of time that people waste on Netflix alone. You could start a business if you don't binge watch Parks and Rec. Like there's hundreds of hours there that you can put into something productive. And do I think we need time to decompress? Yes. We need time to relax. Yes. But if you have an itch to scratch and you're not doing it and you're doing that's this, that's it. Mm-hmm. Just reverse that time. Hundreds of hours is multiple 40 hour work weeks that you're spending on something that's providing no value to yourself. So the time swap to me is everything because yeah. you know what, like, in full transparency, I wasn't making that much money at my first job and my expenses were high because I had my first apartment, my first car, I had a commute to work. So like I wasn't saving, like my monthly savings were in like the hundreds of dollars. So I wasn't like, this wasn't like, oh, I got a $150,000 a year job with a $20,000 bonus. Like I didn't, it wasn't, that wasn't it. Mm-hmm. So it was a time and money thing. And it was like, this is a thing that I need, that I can make make a reality. I just have to continue to work at it. Yeah. I think that's a really good point to make in general. The time that we all have is the same. We all have 24 hours in a day and not even that because you have to sleep at least six, whatever. Right. (laughs) Depending on the day. Yeah. Depending on who it is too. And, and I I really, this kind of hit me as I was finishing college or so. And I, I just remember thinking to myself, if you have so much time in the day and and we, it's before we even commit to doing something, our brain tells us, I don't have enough time for that. Or I already do enough of whatever it is that you think you should be doing. And I know whoever's listening just had a million things pop in their head. And it's, if you have those thoughts of, I should be doing that, even though you're not, you need to reevaluate the situations in your life where you're wasting that time. Mm -hmm. And and I think it is important though, that you say you do need decompression time and, and, and that, which is true. But I think we've taken this decompression thing and this binge-watching attitude to a level in which it becomes negative. It's hard to get past it when it becomes a badge of honor of not only not sleeping a lot, for one thing, and two, it becomes a badge of honor to binge-watch a show. <laughs> and and people yes. post it on Instagram and say, guess what I'm doing today, <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, when you're not doing that, you're a weirdo. <laughs> the what's looked up to whatever success means. And I I don't think success is billions of dollars or millions of Instagram followers. I think success is happiness. But what's looked up to as success is the American dream or whatever is like having your own thing you love doing, right? Like if any, nobody would say, wow, you know, that person's not successful if they have their own business, that they can put kids through college, that they can live a good life, that they can do that. But it's also looked at as this like, against the grain thing, right? Like people give you shit until they, until people will give you shit until they give you praise. It's like a switch. Like I just would never forget, like 
my friend group is like still savages. They still go out and party like crazy. And I'll never forget when I started to go out and not drink and how much I would get. And I'd be like, yeah, but I'm waking up tomorrow because I have three clients. I have a 7, 8 a.m., 9 a.m. client tomorrow on a Saturday. And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, it's, I'm just like doing this new thing. Like I'm trying it on the side. And people were like, dude, you're the guy that used to take handle poles and smash beers on your face. What is this? And I just was like, this isn't me anymore. Like, I, I, and I was like very good at just being like, switch, mm-hmm. like boom, switch. And it was years of not getting text messages from my group of friends because they were going to go out to do something or going to the party and getting pressured until one day it was just like, people were like, Oh, this is what he's doing now. This is his actual thing. He's not just a corporate employee. Like he's a wellness businessman. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to give him flack for not taking a shot or I'm still going to hit him up because he still wants to be here, but he just doesn't, he's just not going to partake. And you fight that all the time. And then now Some of those people are the ones that are hitting me up saying, Hey, my lower back hurts, or I want to get stronger. What do I do? And you just, you're like, okay, you know what? You got to go with that. And to anybody out there that wants to start something, the, one of the biggest things that we talk about at Live Better is social support. You have to surround yourself with other people that are going down that path. And I'll never forget when we first started about four or five other kind of like fringe-ish friends of Jason and mine, my business partner and I, we started hanging out like once a week on a weeknight just to talk. Hey, you're starting a writing business. Hey, you're starting a jeans business. Hey, you're starting a, we don't even know, but you're starting. And we all had side hustles and we just sat down and it was like organic again. And it was cool because we were just talking like, oh, how are you posting on Instagram. What do you, what website provider are you using? How did you make an LLC? Are you sure you can do this? Oh, you just sold two eBooks like sick. And it was just like, we had this group and we still talk. I still talk to those guys all the time and everyone's doing great. And it was cool because there was no, it wasn't hard. It wasn't against the grain. Nobody was giving anybody like crap about meeting and talking and taking Friday nights off. It was like, Oh, this is cool. So like, seeking out those people is challenging Mm -hmm. and is hard, but you need it. Like we always say you're the product of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you don't, if you don't know who those people are, that's step one. Then you recognize who they are. And then you say, are these three people that smoke weed every night? Are they advantageous to my growth? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then you have to make a very conscious, tough decision to remove them. And that's hard, right? Oh, yeah. And it's really hard when you've been friends with them since you were 12 or they're in your family. But if they're not serving you and you're not serving yourself enough so that you can give back to others, you have to make hard choices. And they will respect you in time because then they'll say, wow, this guy, he's got a business or he's got a brand or he's doing something or he's starting a side hustle. And it's then they'll start to respect you. And then it'll all come full circle. And those years, I'm talking years of those relationships being tough mm-hmm. has paid off so much more because I'm so much happier, so much more true to myself. I give back so much more to others. And it's just, that's, how, that's what it takes. Yeah, it's interesting because as you're saying this, it, it feels so similar to the, a lot of the experiences I've had growing up. And it's like this idea of really the land of the misfits or where you're like a misfit of one for for really a long period of your life until you 
find other people that think just enough like you. And you're like, Oh wait, I thought I was the only one that thought these things or was always so, I don't know, intense maybe. And because the most people in, it feels like I mean, uh, when I was younger, like graduating high school or early college, everyone I knew was like, I just want to like you, like you were, where it was like, let's just go party and do things and, and whatever. And I was like, never really interested in doing those kind of things. And I, Personally speaking, I really don't like doing things that like alter my state of consciousness. Like I like being in control of w- what my body is doing in a weird, like not really weird, but it just takes me a lot. It takes me more effort to want to forego that control. And so even before I was like 20, 21, I didn't really care. I was like, I'd rather do do something else. I'll go hang out with you guys, but I'm not going to get blackout drunk with you. <laughs> and then maybe I did this on purpose, but inadvertently when I was younger in my 20s, I took a job at Walmart. And after a while I I got into a job where I had a consistent schedule, which is unlike any retail job. But the sacrifice was that I either worked at 5am or 6am. So I worked five to two or six to three. And so that basically forced myself to not stay out late. (laughs) And I never even really thought about it until right now. And it made this social thing where my friends literally stopped asking me to hang out late because I was going to bed at 10 o'clock, whatever it was. And it's an interesting thing to create those boundaries and sometimes you have to force them other or just have enough knowledge in the sense that if I do these certain things or if I'm around these certain people, my willpower is going to go away. And it's, it takes a lot of effort, I think, to notice those things. Do you have any like ways people like to get people to wake up to it or become aware? Yeah. One of the things that we talk about is creating your board of advisors. Mm. So you run yourself like a business. And we have three main areas that will have people do it, health, career, and creativity. And we say pick one to three people in each category. And if you're listening to this, do this right now. Text one to three people in each one of those categories and say, hey, you are on my board of advisors for my health. I look up to you because you're consistent with your workouts, you take care of yourself, and I well, uh, I want to lean on you when I don't have the motivation. You will empower that person more so than ever. People love to get that text and say, wow, this person leans on me to work out. So if you say, hey, man, I want you to be there. So I need to work out three days a week and I don't even need to do it with you. But I just want to know that you're also in the ground with me. Or maybe we hit the gym together twice a week and I look up to you for that. Then you talk about that for your business and you say, man, like maybe it's a manager or maybe it's somebody that started a company and you're like, hey man, I want you to be a part of this. And you do that. The other thing I would do too is to also recognize in today's day and age, what's cool about social media, what's cool about podcasts, what's cool about books, what's cool about audiobooks is those people, those five people that make up your five people you spend the most time with, you don't even actually have to know them. You could listen to Tony Robbins' podcast and read his books four or five hours a week, and that could be one of the people you spend the most time with. You could listen to Tim Ferriss' podcast one episode a week, two episodes a week, three a week, and you say, well, that's seven, eight hours. That's more time than I spend with my friends. And then you can start to fill those people with people that are doing really cool stuff. So we have, we have an opportunity now with self-education tools like never before at the tip of your fingers for free to surround yourself with the highest quality individuals. Then you can also hire a coach or 
attend seminars or get in a mastermind group that's part of one of these people's networks and you can really make a change. You can do it organically with somebody that's in your network. You can do it free outside of your network through content consumption. And then you can also pay somebody. And those are really good tools that you can use to like level up, make something happen and go out and do it. And it's just being like, a lot of people will hear that in the back. I just never even thought about that. And then you just, you can just make it happen. Yeah. It's really, it's a really good idea. And I haven't talked about it, but I talk about all the content that I do listen to a lot. And I really felt that podcast for me was like mentors from afar. Yes. I really felt that I had listened to so much of, like you said, Tim Ferriss, I'd listened to so much of what his content was. And then by extension found like at least another handful of podcasts through all of that. And I started listening to it and it was like these people that I respected their ideas enough that I was like, oh, wow, I'm getting a, what felt at times better than like a master's degree (laughs) in knowledge, like that I was just sitting as a fly on the wall and just being around it and absorbing it and not really realizing there'd be times where I would listen to stuff all day and then I'd get like talking to one of my friends on, on discord here after the end of the day. And we would all just chill and hang out and play video games for a bit back to that decompressing thing. And then I would just be rattling off all these ideas that I heard. And my friends were like, you need to stop <laughs> because I would just be so like filled up with these things. And it was, it was just, it, it reminds me of so much of these you don't need to spend money to do certain things. We can spend all these times and it's like where we put our attention or even the quality of information. I think of, I started thinking about idea as like an information diet. As I got into health, I was like, oh, you know, what we put into our bodies, like food wise, yeah, has a, just as you have the, an analogous form of that in information that you take in. And if you are taking in certain ideas or putting it into time that doesn't really provide anything to you watching Netflix like you brought up earlier. Like there's different versions of Netflix that you can watch, right? If you're watching documentaries on Netflix or something, that's more useful for your time than say binge watching a show you've already watched before. Yep. And I do. So that's what I, I personally spend tons of time curating the things that I'm going to absorb. And then even feeding curiosity is a way to, I find myself attracted to people who are like aggregators of information is the term I've used them. Yeah. yeah. And so they are people that just find high quality ideas and then put them out in the world without putting their spin on it or their bias. And they just yep. let the ideas speak for themselves. And I'm curious for you, is there any other go-tos than who you, that outside of who you've mentioned already that you look forward to that are going to provide information that you're going to respect? Doesn't mean you're going to agree with it, but that you respect their Yeah. So I think one thing before I give some names out, I think that once you, and this was like the first question you asked about going at and beginning, Mm -hmm. I think we need a steady dose of consumption and action. And so I periodize my, those two things where I'll consume. Mm. So I gain credibility. I gain knowledge. These are certifications. These are podcasts. And then I'll take breaks from that. Three six month breaks, sometime like like bigger breaks, and just do. Now it's okay. So at the beginning of quarantine, I took this course on like sales development, webs like understanding like how people look at your website, funnel creation, traffic conversion, and then ah. 
I think one of the, you know, one of the main things is that this understanding between consumption versus action. Mm-hmm. So I'll take these periods of like really fine tuning and learning and then going and implementing, because I think one of the things right now with all of this good information is what I see a lot of people do and a lot of people that I coach do is like you mentioned earlier that like this badge of honor for binge watching. I also think there's a badge of honor for, for self-help. So people will read, I've read all these self-help books. <laughs> awesome. That's great. What have you done? I read for our work week. Well, are you doing anything or did you just read it and think it was cool and think that I could hire a VA? Like you have to do. And so I think people need to also realize like it's okay to take a break. Mm -hmm. These podcasts will be out there in the world. These books will be out there forever and just go do. With that being said, there are some really good people out there that are doing that. Tim Ferriss was one of the guys we talked about earlier. I love Gary Vee because I think he's an ultimate doer. The dude just goes. He just continues to go at it, continues to grind, continues to put in the work. He's awesome. I like some like really good, like just like book examples. Like Stephen Pressfield is one of my favorite authors. He wrote the, the War of Art, which is all about doing. Like that book, oh my gosh, it's just about like consistency and putting in the work. I read so many books for health. I look to some higher level people. So like David Wolf is one of my, one of my go-to gurus in health in regards to like all the true intricacies of ultimate longevity and wellness. We've had some really awesome people on our podcast that have done some really cool things in regards to like fitness and, and wellness as well. I'm always looking and always up leveling, just thinking off the top of my head, I just did a really good certification functional range conditioning, which is a really good, really cool movement concept. So that's been fun to practice. It's, I think it's something too, is that so many people are putting out good stuff that I think it's, I tell this for some people that have never tried a yoga class before too. take 15 different instructors before you decide if you like it or not, because you will see that it might be the instructor that leads you to enjoying the practice. So you can consume a lot of the same tactical information on how to start a business, but you might not like David Goggins gets me going. I love him. Like he's a psycho and I love it, but you might open that up and see his Instagram post and be like, this dude's crazy. Don't go on him. And that's fine. Then you just don't use him. You go to Brene Brown, who's mm-hmm. giving a very similar focus. I love Brene Brown too. And I show them on opposite ends of the spectrum. Cause she's very much like, empathy and environment and being positive and energy. And David Goggins is just like, let's effing do it. Like, <laughs> let's just like, he just goes nuts. And I respond to both. So it's cool to explore. Like those are some really good people to look into and, and think about. And another really good, just from a movement perspective, move you is an online practice of movement. Mm-hmm. It's just move. And then you, we've had those guys on our Dr. Mike on our podcast. He's a, he's an unbelievable guy. Just if you're looking to just learn how to move your body, I, a bunch of people that are in the Nike network with me, since I'm a Nike trainer, like really good coaches in Chicago, another really good guy that I follow knees over toes guy. He's a guy I'm using to do my jump training. Dave Carson is, is my jump coach in Chicago. He's the man. If you're looking for like athletic performance training, he's putting out some really good stuff. The list goes on and on. But I think it's just honestly, like when you follow somebody on Instagram, realize that you are following them. I think that's a really big thing. Don't just click follow 
and then just start consuming. Like think if this person had a lecture that I had to drive to once a week, would I take the time to do that? If the answer is yes, then consume their content. If not, and you're just swiping and then looking at a cool quote and sharing it on your story, you're not really consuming it. You're just like, it's just like going through you. It's like, we need to, we have so much we can take in now. And these high level coaches that used to charge, that still do charge tens of thousands of dollars for a weekend trip. You can get all their content for free. So it's cool to have that, but it's also, there's a responsibility to make sure that you're actually understanding that when you take somebody in to your feed, which you control, make sure that you want to take their content. And then if you're following all these models on Instagram and, and that's bringing you down, just hit the unfollow button. There's two parts to this. And the first one is this turning it from active to, or from passive to active and being like conscious of what we're doing or what we're even looking at. And it's even when you read a book, right? Like how much of that book are you actually taking away? Yeah. And I could go all day about how I deconstruct a book and whatnot, but that'll be for a different time. And it's like this idea that because you see something on the internet and because it's free, means it's just there and it doesn't mean anything. When in reality, it takes a lot of time for people to do all those things to then provide it literally for free unless mm -hmm. they're doing an advertisement. And it's part of this thing about social media that I really don't enjoy, which is this everything is subsidized because of the ad model. But most of the people that do it don't see any single cent of what is put out there. Yeah. And so it... And there's, I know there's a lot of information out there right now because of the social dilemma, but I think it's important to know that there's a person at the other end of that screen that is trying that spend their time to do that and mm -hmm. for people to just hit like button on it or reshare it or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like an awareness of what it is that people provide. And there's so many different people. Like personally, I just listened to a conversation with Beth Lewis on Peter Tia's podcast on the I think it was like functional rain or kin stretch. That was what it was. And yeah. I find that utterly fantastic. And just the idea of the centenarian Olympics, which is anyone who's a hundred year old, what would you expect someone to possibly do at a hundred? And early on when I started doing this workout thing, like most of us do, you get super motivated, very David Goggins. And I remember that I had to stop myself and say, you know what? Maybe you could do this at some sort of professional level, but is that really why you're doing this? And so I had to stop myself and say, okay, really the reason doing this is that you want to live as best you can for as long as you can. One of the goals that I didn't realize it was a goal until afterwards was that I didn't want to be a dad who couldn't play with their kids whenever that became a thing. And I started at 21 and it was like, literally they like started over completely. And it was like, no more pop, no more like, it start, slowly started accumulating knowledge on diet, but really dove into the workout aspect of it. And it's like this slow accumulation of knowledge, but knowing that your ultimate goal is not to be an athlete really, or a competitor. It's that live the best life that you can. Like going back to what, the name of your company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so it's, it's a different frame of reference because it's almost part of our like culture now is that everything is fast right? If you get into something, you have to go as hard as you possibly can for as long yeah. as you can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's like everything now is so, oh, I got to make this like quick consumable thing so that people can like everyone's attention span is shortening. And it's, that's, what's cool about this long form stuff. If people are going to listen to this, they care. I mean, we've had a podcast now since 2014, mm -hmm. 2015, 
and it's grown and we've had really cool guests on it and we get hours of people's time that are just awesome and we learn so much from it and if we get people to download and listen to it it's like we know those people actually care and that's like when you mentioned podcast in the beginning i'm like like that's a cool thing the longer form content because people were going to actually care about that like people that are going to read books are going to care about it it's not just like these quick hits of dopamine it's like a long sustained understanding of a of a concept and that's really cool yeah i personally think that you can't truly understand anything really with any sort of depth in f- 3 minutes or or <laughs> yeah, even five or even five minutes if you really wanted to understand somebody either a person right if you want to understand someone and how they orient their life you're not going to be like, all right, I got 10 minutes, go. (laughs) If you really want to get to know someone, just anyone who's married or spent a long time with just a friend or something, it takes years to really Mm -hmm. understand someone. And Mm -hmm. so I think there's a niche in the world for nuance that people don't really realize that it's so missing. And I think people do notice it really now with how the world has reacted with the current political cycle. Not to derailed this conversation into that aspect or dumpster fire or whatever you want to call it. Um, but it, it really, to me is I've always felt that podcasts in themselves are, are this kind of antidote to th- this fast paced world that leverages the same technology that the entire rest of the internet is built on. And it gives people back in many ways, this oratory that we haven't had in a really long time to be able to listen to your elders or listen to people who've lived interesting lives and just, hear it speak their truth to use a cliched thing 100 <laughs> percent. yeah i think i think we need more of that i think people right now can just use a steady dose of space we talked about this too a little bit about the like having time to recover mm-hmm. i think that right now people think they're recovering when they're still being stimulated and they are Netflix, work laptop, phone with Instagram on it, all in one spot, but they're on their couch. Mm-hmm. So they're recovering. Like they're at the end of the day, it's, oh man, I just need to like go lay down. And you know what? On a hard day, you do need to go lay down. But you need to go lay down with your feet up the wall with <laughs> dim lighting on and meditation music and be conscious that I am going to recover. Recovery, mm-hmm. relaxation is that. It is not a stimulated thing. And so we're in this constant simulation where it's like phone on right when I wake up, boom, phone. Before I do anything for me, it's 15 other things that are coming my way. And it's, those are some of the big things that I focus on. Like I start every single morning with breath work. I start every single morning with a really easy morning stretch routine, a little bit of meditation, a slight little bit of reading, whole hygiene routine before the, the phone even gets open. Mm-hmm. And that, and that was a shift. I didn't always do that. I used to like do that while I would be scrolling or checking mm-hmm. Instagram while I was going to the bathroom. And it was like, oh, but I'm still getting these other things done. Since I consciously did that switch of airplane mode right around 8.39 PM until right before I step into my first thing I need my phone for the day. Wow, like I am so much more dialed in anxiety levels have dropped, sleep has gotten better, focus has gotten better, performance has gotten better. Mm -hmm. 
because, and then I'm also just super conscious now of when I get home from a long day, because my days are, are they're, they're long and I work hard to truly relax, to truly like use meditation before I go to bed. I meditate every night before I go to sleep and to have good, deep conversation over a meal with my wife with just the meal, no TV, no game. And we cook dinner and we hang out with our dog and, and it's, it sounds so, oh my God, that's so boring. That's magic. There's something beautiful in calm and in that space, because the more you get that and the more you don't have to jam pack things in and always be checking things off, just the more you realize how awesome it is to just have time where you're super present. Yeah. And that was like all of my 2019 is just really diving into what being present is especially as someone like me who really enjoys the, the, the fast paced frenetic, Same, dude. always having something to do and doing things. And even this pandemic has been a lesson in that sense of like how much of what we actually do, like movement is going to places and doing things is actually really necessary at the end of the day. Sometimes yep. it's just, you just do those things because it fills time and not to, again, it's so many cliches, but it's like these cliche things have so much embedded truth on so many layers, but it's like sometimes less is more. And in the modern world, it's like when they think more is always better in some ways or new is always better. It, it makes me think of like whenever I get really stressed out, it's just, I can't wait to get off of work and go ride my bike and just... Mm -hmm just feel the wind and, and do all of that kind of stuff. I just bought a new bike because I've been riding it so much because of the pandemic. Like I was running a ton at first and yeah. I was like, oh, I don't really want to do it. And then I started riding my bike again. I was like, oh my God, this is exactly why it's the story. But it's this is where I started working out. I didn't really trust myself. In the beginning, I was not someone who could do cardio very well. I, I can sprint pretty well, but I can't really run for long distances. And I didn't know how to pace myself at all. And so I just gassed myself in like the first quarter of a mile or something. And so I would just get really hard on myself, but then I could ride my bike for like ever. And so I was like, all right, you're going to ride your bike because at least you enjoy doing that enough to yeah. continue to do it. And so now it's, I've rediscovered what I enjoyed about riding because of the pandemic. And now it's like this awesome thing. And then with it being fall, it's you get to experience like all the colors and all these things. It's like all these embedded good things about being able yeah. to just be, you know, present. It's like all these good habits that you don't even realize. And so you start actually thinking about it. There's so many of these things that you can do that just have compounding benefits, really. Yeah, I think it's, I think finding that level of consciousness is part of just the natural like maturation process, but also it's harder now because I'm like, every generation says whatever, but <laughs> the distractions now are so much more prevalent than they were. You can do whatever you want at any time. And you can also go down rabbit holes way easier than you used to ever. So we need to be fortifying our purpose so that we don't waste time, mm -hmm. so that we don't fall into what's easy because what's easy is celebrated sometimes. What's normal is celebrated sometimes, like you said, of having the badge of honor of binge watching. Oh, did you watch this show or did mm -hmm. you... Oh man, you just, it, it was like, oh, I was so dead at the end of the weekend. And then I was so tired on Sunday. Like people hear all this stuff and it's, everyone says it. So you want, you do it too. Mm -hmm. It's 
waking up from that and really saying, I have a mission here that I'm on. I'm going to do this. So I'm going to be doing a lot of different things. And then it's also when you're doing that is recognizing, like you said, the beauty and then, then like the, the understanding of these simple things like riding your bike and how valuable that is. And people don't think about how like awesome it is to go take an easy 10 mile bike ride and just relax because they want to <laughs> go as fast as they can and then do a thousand pushups. And then it's, you don't need all that. You need the grind. Like I see that you got can't hurt me on the shelf behind you. <laughs> and I'm into that. I love that. And I need the doses of that. And my workouts are hard. I go hard on the workouts, but then I also have days where I have mobility days that are super easy. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mix that in because I understand that is the, what's necessary to accomplish the goal. I ran, I ran a really good marathon last year. It was my first marathon. I ran it under three hours. And my training that year, I did a full year training cycle. And, and this, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, was one of the easiest years of training I'd ever done because huh. I didn't overdo it. Mm-hmm. I said, today I have to run eight miles at a 7.30 pace and that's it. The next day I have to do a two mile recovery run at a 10 minute pace and that's it. As opposed to, I got to lift as hard as I can on back. The next day I'm doing chest. The next day I'm running the fastest mile of my life. And then the next day I'm like playing basketball, doing this. It was like, nope, this is all I'm going to do today. I'm going to do mobility on Thursdays. I'm going to do speed runs on Tuesdays. That's really only 30 minutes of hard running. And it was like, it worked. And I was able to accomplish a very solid time running sub seven minute miles for 26.2 miles and do so in a very strong strategic way without getting hurt, without getting burnt out. And it was just because you followed a path and you followed a journey and you had a, a mission and you just went for it. Yeah, it's so good. The, I think the idea of recovery is, seems so foreign to most of us. We don't think about what it takes to actually recover. So you have to recover just as hard as you work in many ways. Yeah. I think I spend more time at this point trying to recover every day <laughs> than I do actually working out anymore because it's such a, there's so many facets and layers and things like that. It it's or it's just so new, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We just haven't figured out the, the best way to approach it yet. But it's one of those things that I think I look at it like an engineer would. It's like we've spent all this time optimizing performance for our companies and how they function, but we forgot how to do optimize the performance of the people that actually work for companies. <laughs> and at the end of the day, that comes down to is how well they're recovering day in and day out. And I, I think you're just nailing it on that end of it. And it's like, when I just started doing all this stuff, it's, I just was breaking down barriers for myself. It was mostly mental. It was like, you've never run more than one mile in your life. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm running like multiple miles and I sign up for Tough Mudder and I do a, a 5k, I think it was. And I ran a 5k faster than I ever ran a single mile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the like pace wise, it went, I've dropped my like mile time from like 10 minutes or 10 and a half to 8.30 or 8.20, something yeah. like that. And I was like, I have no idea what I just did. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And that was like six years ago at this point. And yeah. it, just all these things that like, there's so much more potential that we leave on the table because we say we can't than just by trying. And uh-huh. I know we could go forever. So is there any other thoughts, maybe given the unique situation that we're all in for people who found themselves in a precarious situation and how they can, you know, lean into uncertainty or struggle as maybe David Goggins would say. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, our so our motto for Live Better is, like I said at the start, is to have the best day of every single day. It sounds cliche, and I'll never forget when I started to sign off my emails at Walgreens with that, my boss told me to stop because it was like, this is like a joke. So it's not a joke. This is a conscious decision that we are going to respond to stimulus as opposed to react. People react all the time. Someone cuts you off in traffic, it's a middle finger and a honk. What about that you're grateful that instead of you having to ride a horse and buggy, you're in a car? It sounds duh, but yeah, like you don't have to walk. You can get in a car, turn a key, push a pedal down that an 80-year-old grandma can push down and go 100 miles an hour. You're in a plane and it's delayed. You are in a vessel that is hovering over the world at 400 miles an hour. You have nothing to complain about. So we have to be fortifying ourselves through daily practice of things like mindfulness, hard workouts, living your truth so that you can recognize that every single day is the best day ever. And, the, and that might not be like the craziest experience of traveling to Paris or running a marathon, but the process for all of those things is where we can just create that every day. And when I shattered my collarbone two years ago and a really bad biking accident in Whistler, I, my business partner came in cause we were running a retreat and he comes over to me and says, man. And I was like, you know what? Today's the best day ever. I have my collarbone is like snapped in half. And I'm like, today's the <sighs> best day ever. And he was like, man, he's like, and I truly believed it because I was like, I have a new opportunity. I have something I have to conquer now. And this isn't like a taboo, easy aha thing. It's like when shit hits the fan, have you prepared yourself for that? Yeah. Have you put in work? Have you stressed yourself out on purpose? Have you created practice so that when things are tough, you can just take a breath and realize I'm alive. I can walk. And that's a pretty good thing. So take time to recognize and live in that and do things so that you can prepare yourself for things that are hard. Don't live in fear, live in opportunity and just create the best day ever every day. Said I couldn't put it any better myself. And so just as a final wrap up is where can people connect with you? Yeah. My Instagram is Brett with one T. It's only one T. Thanks grandma. She wanted one T uh, underscore Gornick G O R N I K. That's my Instagram. Our, our Instagram for live better is live better. Co live better. C O livebetterco.org. You can see everything we're doing in there from our mindset course to our collective. That's actually just starting, which is going to be sick to training. If you live in the Chicagoland area, hit me up on Instagram. And I am a, like, I, I put up all the time, like swipe up for a free coaching call. I'll take 30 minutes with anybody. Like I want to meet people. I want to actually connect with people. That's what social media is meant for. It's actually to meet human beings. That's, that's like people created it. <laughs> So I'm always DMing people that follow me. Hey, how you doing? How's quarantine been? What's going on? Just trying to connect, trying to have conversation and meet people. So please hit me up and we can chat about whatever you're trying to get after. Yep. And shameless plug. That's how me and Brett started yeah. talking. That's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I mean, like that is, that is what, like when I see this, I'm like, this is what, this is sick. This is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I'm just some dude who just decided that he dared to try. I wanted to take some time here and talk about how you, the listeners, can support Feeding Curiosity. I've always believed in providing more content to whoever listens to this of value 
than what you would ever pay for. I don't like the idea of having to sponsor myself with products I don't use or believe in. If it's something I use and believe in, then sure, I will talk about it and I will do everything I can to do that. And I've done that on this podcast before. Not sponsored, but I've talked about many products that I believe in. But in the aims of choosing to create a new model that I believe in and that we should all be striving for is breaking ourselves away from the subsidized model that ads provide. And so with that, we have turned on the uh, anchor.fm support structure, which allows you, the listener, to subscribe to our content at the level of your choosing. That is either a $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month, meaning that you, the listener, and me, the creator, can be transparent about how much value you see in our content. And by doing so, that allows me to have more resources to ever increase the quality of this content. And that's not to say I won't be doing this anyways, but it breaks me out of the loop of having to worry about those things because there is a lot of time that goes into this podcast, but I love it. And I hope that by you choosing to support the podcast, you know how much I care about the quality of this content. And so with that, everyone... Thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoy.